um, the essence of my word tonight is captured in a quote by Mother Teresa. And so I'm just going to speak that over us to begin with. She said, people are often unreasonable and self-centered unless they're Saint Hartley, because his just doesn't even go there. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Amen. Because I serve God first, I am my brother's keeper. And this is my theme here tonight, my title, my brother's keeper. And I'm going to unpackage that a little. I want to talk about the state of our heart that positions us rather than self-serving to be our brother's keeper. And you can often break it down to many, many, many little micro choices where we we decide to deny ourselves and rather to lift up the one who is in proximity with us. Our brother can be our husband, our wife, our son, our daughter, the person in the workplace, our connect leader. Whoever is in our sphere of influence, it's our brother, it's our sister. The, the, The Lord is placed in proximity with us. We are positioned to be our brother's keeper. Uh, when we first came out to Silverwater so many years ago now, um, we had to overcome feelings of being Oxford Falls' little brother because we were the first of the 11 locations, Oxford Falls and then Silverwater. And I remember wrestling in my heart with feelings of being the younger, skinnier <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, this is... <laughs> I didn't want to say that in your direction. I looked over there. Um, but over time... Silverwater grew up. Yes, it has. Silverwater has grown up. We're no longer the little brother. And then we planted our Bankstown location. And I was familiar with what it felt like to be the little brother. And so I was mindful and diligent to keep the spirit sweet between Silverwater and Bankstown. And I did that personally by loving Bankstown the same as I love Silverwater. See, when you have more children, you enlarge your heart. You don't divide your love. Now, just recently, aka just Sunday night gone, (laughs) I felt a slight unsettling um, in the organisational structural change that we're in right now, which is, um, I think, particularly affects our west side locations um, because the change is more prominent on this side, uh, and that is the shifting from the locations coming out from Silverwater and rather repositioning side by side under the stellar leadership of Pastor Pat and Amanda Ancliffe. Um, Now this is just a tweak in the system and it's for the greater good of the vision. So we're celebrating it, totally aligned. It's all good. But any shift, any change creates gaps and potential for sibling rivalry. And um, it's very subtle, it's very subtle, but I just wanted to cast light on it tonight and nip it in the bud and declare some things over our Western Sydney locations tonight um, because I believe in the power of declaration, I believe in the power of identifying something and speaking the Word of God into it. And I am confident that we are going to rise and rise and rise and impact Western Sydney as we never have before. Our greatest days are ahead. Amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus in this place tonight. So good. And honestly, I'm speaking out of what the Lord has been refining in my heart 
I am the first one on the altar. Um, this is, I have full authority to speak into this tonight because I have been learning it firsthand, <laughs> under the hand of the great I am who shepherds us, who um, coaches us, who cultivates us. Anybody else familiar with the hand of God on your life who speaks to you and will not allow any little glitch in our armour, right? I find he's very studious with our discipleship. The Holy Spirit leans in. He'll speak if we will listen. If our heart is softened, our ear is inclined, He will speak and He will cause us to evolve for the greater good of His health and His body. Amen. See, wherever unity is imperative, the enemy will attempt to drive a wedge between husband and wife, between staff members, between mentor and mentoree. Is that a word? Mentoree? Between cross city team members. You know, wherever unity is imperative, the enemy will attempt to drive a wedge. Now, maybe you feel like you are living in full-flowing harmony with all people around you right now. I salute you. I bless you. That's wonderful. But if you haven't, you know, maybe sometime in your future, you'll feel a test in your ability to stand regard to your brother and to celebrate them and to cover them, not expose them, not undermine them, but to cover them. So just put these tips in your pocket, put them in your back pocket, and one day when your time comes, you can just pull them out and apply them then, all right? Amen, amen. See, Joseph's brothers were jealous of the destiny and the favour on Joseph, even though it was yet to be realised, even though it was just a dream in his heart, even though it was just a prophetic seed, they were jealous of the future that was on Joseph's life. And on the other end of life's spectrum, you see the older brother who was jealous of the returning prodigal son, even though his inheritance was blown and his prospects were shattered, from both ends of life spectrum, jealousy tries to sneak in between brothers. Ham exposed his father Noah and it says in Genesis 9.23, so Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon the shoulders of both and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. Will we cover and keep our brother or will we expose and undermine? That is the question tonight. Amen. And I'm hearing it first myself. Note to self. <laughs> See, Shem and Japheth covered their father Noah. Ham exposed him. And I wonder what discontent was in the heart of Ham that made him choose to expose his father, to throw back his head and laugh and mock his father. See, discontent breeds rivalry. And one of the enemies to being our brother's keeper is jealousy or competition, which leads to division. But I believe the antidote to jealousy is genuine celebration. Uh, you know, there is a God take on absolutely everything, a gold culture on everything. You know, the world take on Instagram is comparison, but the God take is celebration. Actually, if you can get a 180 shift in your perspective on social media, it is a great opportunity to celebrate. Today, I purposely went through and I celebrated everything that was happening at all our locations. I celebrated on social media with Leon and the team at Parramatta who are just going from strength to strength right now. I celebrated Pastor Tim. I could tell he was bringing the most sharp, anointed, stunning word this morning. And I celebrated as I saw that um, advertised on social media. So we have the God take on social media is to celebrate. The world take is comparison. And if you ever feel yourself sliding, just correct yourself and get back in the celebration zone. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. 
sometimes I make myself scroll back, like the picture and say something nice. Sometimes it's good to discipline yourself to do the good thing, to, to celebrate for the benefit of your own soul. See, when we withhold celebration, we suffer. Our soul suffers. When we release it, I don't know, there's something, a sweet exchange that happens as we champion and celebrate one another. It's good for our soul. It's to our benefit to celebrate, amen? So like the picture on Instagram, make the genuine statement, celebrate one another. Um, Who's into the voice right now? Was it just me? <laughs> yeah, I'm love, I love the voice. I love the stories of the individuals. That's why I like to watch it. And of course, I love the singing. But if I'm honest, there's just a little thing that's getting to me about the culture of the voice. And it's the culture of sibling rivalry. Now, I know um, George and Kelly are brother and sister, clearly. But there is a sibling rivalry, cutting comment, undermining tone going on there and it it irks me to the point I almost can't watch the show anymore does anybody know what I'm talking about they just really go at one another all through now I know the producers are behind that and they're cultivating drama because it's a world spirit it's not a god spirit and so that's what they do on tv but I just feel like gee I wish someone would just celebrate just bring the sweet tone of celebration into that show as a side note who thinks that Joe looks like Dorian Truly? Really? No, is it just me? I wish Dorian was here so I could put you up, put him up. But so much, every time I see him, I'm like, there's Dorian on the voice <laughs> judging tonight. Now, here's the thing. Striving is insecurity outworked. So what begins in our heart finds a way out. If it's not um, trained and disciplined and shifted, it eventually finds its way out. And striving is insecurity outworked. If I take a hold of someone else's appointment, it will be a misfit, a mantle that chafes and burns. That's the truth. So here we are. We sit and in our heart there is jealousy or, or um, disappointment from here to there. Um, but actually what the law gives us is tailor-made for us. It's just the right fit. But if I try and take a hold of someone else's appointment, it will be a misfit, a mantle that chafes and burns and will be uncomfortable for us. So we suffer for the things that we strive and take a hold of in our own strength. Yes, we do. Here's the thing. Sometimes the Lord will let us take a hold of that thing according to our free will. But there is always a natural consequence when we do that. When we step out of his lane, we initiate ourselves a little bit, which I have a tendency to do sometimes because I'm a very zealous person. And there is a natural consequence and we, we learn. We are tempered in that moment. Amen. See, I know God opens every door for you and me. Yes, he does. I don't look to leaders or the organization to fulfill every desire in my heart. They are not my provider. God is. I serve my leaders. I flow with the organization, but my higher provider is the great I am. Amen. Come on, let's thank God in this place tonight. So currently on my iPhone, I have a lock screen image and a home screen image. So I've got two pictures that come up automatically on my phone. Now, the first one is myself playing cricket at Christmas time had the party dress on the heels and I was playing backyard cricket. And the reason I have that image is because by nature, I can tend to be a little bit focused, a little bit intense. And so I need an image to constantly remind me to have fun. Like just enjoy yourself, Nat. Come on, 
play some backyard cricket. <laughs> so that's my first image. And the second image I'm actually going to bring up on the screen right now. I just want to show you. This image was taken recently on our holiday. And um, those incredible clouds at dusk had everyone stopping in their tracks. For me, they're a reminder that God is sovereign over us all. The heavens speak. The heavens declare his glory. And for me, um, life feels very small if we filter it all through a man-made structure. Because beyond that is a mighty God who would prefer not to be confined to our teeny tiny perspective. And when I look at that image, it shifts my eyes heavenward. And I'm reminded that the great I am is the author of my story. He's sovereign over my life. He's sovereign over this house. He's sovereign over your life. And it just causes me to shift and get out from locking in to an ordinary frame of mind. Amen. You know, my first significant preaching opportunity came at an unusual time. I was seven months pregnant with Sienna. He's now 11. Um, so very pregnant, speaking at Phenomena, which was a youth conference at Oxford Falls years ago. Um, and I'd only preached a couple of times. James Murray asked me to preach. He was our youth pastor at the time. He's now the C3 Cronulla location pastor. And when, I, when he asked me, I absolutely knew this can only be God because I have literally hardly preached. And through that pregnancy, I'd get up in the middle of the night and I carved a pathway in the carpet in prayer because this was so new for me. It was so beyond anything that I'd ever done, but I totally knew it was what the Lord had for me. That it is the sweetest satisfaction when we know God has opened a door for us, that no man can close, that is graced and blessed and covered because he opened it for us. And we can rest in that. See, the anointing opens every door, not our efforts. We can only open small doors in our efforts. God opens significant doors that no man can close. We actually make a bit of a fool of ourselves when we strive. I definitely have had a number of moments <laughs> trying to open doors. Which, Because here's the downside of being a prophet, having a prophetic nature. Someone that has a prophetic nature tends to see forward a little bit. And I'm not very patient. So prophetic and impatient, terrible combination. So sometimes I see forward. I can see what we're going, but I don't see the fine details. And so I might try to genu generally move towards that thing. But actually, I just need to settle in. Let the author have his way. Let him have his timing. It'll all come in time. Amen. See, the grace is with the appointment that the Lord assigns to us personally. And there is nothing sweeter than resting under his grace. Amen. Is this helping somebody tonight? Are we encouraged out there tonight? So we are our brother's keeper when we rest in our appointment and we celebrate theirs. Amen. And the appointments are significant. And this is why. Because he has asked us to fulfill them. Not because how anyone else views them. Like how Brooke... Mother's little dom is a sacred appointment. And many people are never going to know the hours that she invests in that sweet, sweet, sweet little girl. But the Heavenly Father looks onward and he looks over the care of dom. And that matters to him and it matters to Brooke. And that may never be seen. It's not going to hit the public stage until she becomes a stunning young adult. And then people will say, tell me about how she was raised. Because they'll recognize the beauty in her. They'll recognize the strength in her. You know, leading into presence this year, um, I, I got the feeling that the pastor's kids session, which is a session that we run for pastor's kids right throughout the movement, uh, needed leadership. 
And I got the feeling that the prayer leading into presence needed leadership as well. And so I asked Pastor Phil when he was out here one Sunday, um, would you like me to host the pastor's kids session? And he said, put a proposal. Okay, yes, that would be great if you can do that. And then Hearts and I were asked together if we could lead the prayer that goes makes a way into presence. Um, and it was a real pleasure. Um, it was both of those tasks were genuinely blessed because they'd come from him they were in season, they were graced, and it's such a pleasure to build with God on behalf of God when it's come from Him and not your own human efforts. Now, both of those roles might seem a little bit insignificant to you, but nevertheless, they're what He asked me to do, and I did them with the best of my ability in this season, and therefore I am content. Amen? Now, our heavenly to-do list is sacred. Your heavenly to-do list is sacred. It doesn't matter what man's view is. When he asks, what he asks you to do is the highest goal. It's the highest priority. And that, that might be get up, walk across the room and talk to that person. It might, might be give that offering, extend your parameters in your giving, give that offering. It may be rise and start a connect group. It might be let go of that attitude. It might be let go of that dream for a season. Honour that person even though you feel dismissed by them. It might be take the quantum leap of faith. Go there because I'm calling you there. Like only he knows, only you know what he's speaking to you about. But that is a sacred to-do list when it comes from heaven above. I want to encourage us to be faithful in the anonymous. In those places where nobody sees, nobody knows, be faithful in the anonymous place. The unseen these are the things the Lord is holding us to account for. Amen. And these things need to far outweigh our sense of public performance. Um, this week I was walking along the river and I thought, oh, I'd just love to send a text to somebody about that prophetic insight I had and then how it landed. And that was really cool. And I was about to write the text and then I just thought, ah, why bother? I don't need to get the acknowledgement of that person that that happened. God knows it happened. That was very cool. You know, I'll celebrate it between he and me. I don't, I don't actually. Getting free of the need for others' acknowledgement means we can travel so light in this life. It's an incredible way to walk. Amen. Yes, this is a consecrated life. This is what a consecrated life looks like. It's awesome. You know, we need to make seasons, uh, we need to make peace with seasons of obscurity. You know, God prepares us in the crucibles of life. He prepares us in these seasons of solitude. And I think he refines us in the private place for our benefit rather than doing it publicly. So sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm unseen, I'm hidden over here, I'm in this test, I'm in this crucible. Well, thank goodness he doesn't do it publicly. Can I hear an amen out there tonight? Honestly, haha, <laughs> there is great kindness in him taking us to the side and getting us ready for that next level thing. Amen? He's so good. There's purpose in it. It says actually of Joseph's journey in Psalm 105, 18 to 20 in the Passion Translation, his feet were bruised by strong shackles and his soul was held by iron. Who knows, sometimes it feels like that, that sense of pressing and testing. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. He cleanses us in those seasons until it was time for his dreams to come true. Eventually, the king of Egypt sent for him, setting him free at last. Isn't that a good day when that happens? Amen. Um, we're going to move into communion tonight, and I'm going to ask the team just to begin to distribute 
the emblems as we do that. Um, because I believe that there's something very powerful about just bringing the state of our heart <laughs> under reminder of the power of the cross and the blood and the bread and what he's done for us. And in fact, tonight, I want to take communion quite specifically as a posture of unity across Western Sydney and um, just as a declaration to the heavenlies, to what is above and what is to below of the unity that exists amongst us as a team that are not jealous but celebrating one another across our Western locations. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask um, the location pastors to come and we're going to take communion together. What a powerful statement, hey? And I just want to read Genesis 4, 6. It said, The Lord rejected Cain's offering, and the Lord cut to the heart of the matter. And he said, Why are you angry? And why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? And, you know, when there is a dark cloud brewing over us, we need to be mindful of what we say and do. Because sometimes we can speak it out, out of the influence of that thing that's hanging over us and in fact when things get really hazy like that and you feel like the world's closing in around you be found in prayer in the place of clarity it cuts through all that fog it will totally cut through and you'll see again verse 7 said if you do well will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin crouches at your door its desire is for you but you must master it so the Lord warned him and the Lord will always warn us He'll always come to us and speak to us because He loves us so, 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 so much. He won't let us drift off into obscurity. He'll come and speak to us. And He, he warned. He, he shone a light on the state of, of Cain's heart. But Cain nevertheless succumbed to that temptation and he killed his brother in the field. And then it says in verse 9, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Where is your brother Abel? You know, in our world, it is there is a tendency to isolate and just to think about numero uno, right? But in the Lord, His love and His capacity is so big, there will be many times He says, where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? He'll lift our eyes to see those around us. You know, that person that came to your connect group for a while and they're not attending right now, you might feel the Holy Spirit say, where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? Do you know the people are discipled and strengthened in this church, not by administration, but by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, when He says, where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? And you reach out, you'll be astounded how that people will return to the flock, they'll be found back in the house of God because of your care. And it goes on to say, and he said, I, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? Can I say yes, see through Silverwater and all our Western locations, we are our brother's keeper. Can I see a hand if you are your brother's keeper in this place here tonight? And it said, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You know, there will be moments of decision. Will I dismiss because I'm exasperated, because I'm tired, because I'm jealous? Or will I remember I am my brother's keeper? You know, I've, I've genuinely wrestled with a, a temptation of jealousy in this unique season. And I've asked the Lord, uh, you know, why am I being overlooked? Is what I've built today inconsequential? And I'm a true leader. 
and I, at, I can be assuming and I can be ambitious and I felt the Lord tempering all of that in this season. I've looked at members of the team across the city and I've thought they've been promoted and I'm in obscurity. Lord, where are you? What are you doing? And I've had to let go of a lot and it hasn't been easy. I've been in a season of genuine heart testing, genuine humility test, but I'm coming out the other side. I'm starting to feel like myself <laughs> and I'm grateful and I have, I've got some tools in my pocket now that might even help some others if they happen to find themselves in a similar position. So it's all good. You know, the filter for us in our Western locations is what is best going to serve the people. That is always going to be our filter. What is best going to serve the people? I'll let go of everything else, but what is best going to serve the people of Western Sydney? That is our true north. Amen.